Welcome to Episode 2 of the Voices of Hope podcast, where our hosts are continuing to share their own stories. Jeff and Tanya Benyon have been a part of the North Star community since the beginning, when Jeff helped found the organization. They've also been a part of Voices of Hope before it had grown into a project, sharing personal essays in the book by the same name and later a video detailing their story. In addition to Jeff's experience of same-sex attraction, they discuss the struggles and pain in their marriage that have come from infertility, despite the desire to have a large family. Tanya also details her personal loss of losing her first husband and how healing and understanding have come over the years as she's focused on helping others and giving back. While Jeff was initially nervous about sharing their story publicly, he details when they knew that they could be happy in marriage despite attractions that seemed to contradict that relationship. They close with some trends they have observed over the years and how important it is for everyone to do their own work. You can find all of this and more on today's Voices of Hope podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Jeff Benyon, and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Tanya Benyon. Say hi, Tanya. Hi. Hi, Tanya. Is that what you wanted me to say? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and we are your hosts for another uh, episode of the North Star Voices of Hope podcast. So we're excited to be here with you, and uh, we're especially excited to share uh, our guests, uh, which is each other this time. This is one of our introductory podcasts where you get to know your hosts. Uh, so uh, we, we thought we'd just let you get to know a little bit about ourselves uh, before we go on to interviewing some other people. Uh, so uh, we have the same last name. And uh, Tanya, would you care to share what our connection is? <laughs> our connection is that we've been married. In fact, today we cel- we're celebrating our 17th anniversary. So we've been together, married for 17 years, and we've been together for almost 20 years with dating. Because we dated for a long time. (laughs) It did seem like a long time, but it was worth it. And we did. uh, I'm glad you said 17 years because we've been married so long, I forget. I have to do the math now. So 2004 minus 2021 minus 2004 is 17. So I think you're right. Well, I know I'm right because my wonderful husband brought me a gift today and it was a one and a seven giant balloons because he uh-huh. did remember the year. Oh, man, and it's not 71 years. No, no. Okay. Don't age us there, we. <laughs> uh, so let's tell you a little bit about ourselves uh, and how we came to be connected with North Star. Uh, I am a co-founder of North Star. Ty and I, uh, along with a few other people, started North Star in late uh, 2006, early 2007. Uh, And we we had been friends uh, for a while before then. Uh, In fact, uh, Ty, I got to know Ty just shortly after I got married. He moved out to D.C., Washington, D.C. area where uh, I was living. And uh, Tanya remembers uh, meeting Ty then, too. Yes. Um, So, uh, and since then, uh, at North Star, I've been president, chairman, treasurer, uh, and currently a co-chair 
but some people may not know, Tanya, what's your involvement been with North Star over the years, aside from a super supportive spouse? Well, for many North Star activities that have happened at our house, I've been the cleaner and the housekeeper. <laughs> the menu planner. Yes. Uh, I have really enjoyed being a part of North Star. In the beginning, they a lot of the stuff centered on internet-based activities. We had groups, mostly just email groups. That was the main thing for North Star. And at that time, I ran one of the, I helped run one of the spouses, or I guess the only spouses support group at the time online. Additionally, I did the first couple of website. I am a web developer by profession, and so I put together the first uh, one or two versions of the website, uh, coding them, and then. Uh, and then you did uh, the uh, Women of Worth. Yes. So there was some organiz- There was another organization that ran some events for men and the women on our group were complaining that there wasn't anything for the women. So a couple of us wives started what was called women of worth. That was a retreat, two, three day retreat for women, for spouses married to men with same sex attraction, uh, or transgender. Actually, we had some that spouses of transgender as well. We ran for six years and it was really wonderful. We loved it. They were great. So in addition to doing the online email stuff, we also did in-person retreats. And that's kind of a warning to anybody that gets involved in North Star. People would sometimes ask me, you know, why is there, oh, you have a thing for uh, female spouses. Uh, Why don't you have something for X or for Y? And I would always, we would always say, well, do it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. The reason there's one for uh, wives is because uh, somebody put it together. Uh, right. And so it might have seemed a little random. It was a little random in the sense that the people with the energy and the excitement uh, started their own stuff. So yes. uh, so uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about our, well, maybe I should say, first of all, uh, we, we, uh, you can read a lot of our story in the Voices of Hope book. Tanya is the last chapter in the book, and I'm the next to last chapter in the book. And some people have fun comparing the stories because there's definitely a point of view differences there. Uh, some people are like, oh, I didn't even realize that was the same couple. <laughs> but, but you can hear our story there. We also did a Voices of Hope uh, pod, uh, Voice of Hope video that you can still find on on North Star, so you can hear a lot of our story there as well. Uh, so we'll we'll try not to rehash a lot of that. But uh, another question they asked for some of the other Voice of Hope people was, you know, how it's how it started and how it's going. So how's it going, Tanya? After our first Voices of Hope pod, uh, video came out. How's life going? Yeah, how's Together? our marriage? How's life? Well, I'd say it's been the best 17 years of my life. Now, the first two years were rocky. Our dating life was very rocky. But I think that's 
better than marriage Rocky. So I feel like we worked a lot of our kinks out while we were dating. We definitely went through some rough times, lots of prayers, uh, lots of questions. But once we figured out that this was what we wanted, it's been smooth sailing since we, well, as far as the marriage goes, it has been smooth sailing. Life, of course, has thrown twists and turns in there, but the marriage itself has been pretty smooth sailing. So I would definitely do it all over again. As would I, as would I. Uh, you you may not remember, uh, after we'd been married a couple of years, you asked me, do you miss it? Or do you wish you had a different kind of life? Uh, and, uh, and I said, and I say the same today, uh, no, I don't think... Uh, then and now, if you ask me the same question in this moment, uh, I don't uh, look at, uh, you know, I, I could have, I, I really think I could have uh, had a, a same-sex partner and had a relationship and been reasonably happy that way, uh, which, which was a, uh, took me a while to realize but at the same time, uh, I'm very happy and grateful for what uh, I've I've chosen here, and I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change a thing uh, with that. So I'm I'm really grateful for all that that we've done together. The other, and, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, just so that you know, a brief background. Now yeah. you know that we've been married for 17 years. We have one son that is turning 13 next month. We have we currently have two dogs uh, that we absolutely love, so it's like having three children. And we constantly have roommates in our house with us. We live in a larger home, and we always have filled it with people. So right now we have two roommates, uh, and we've probably had a good, how many do you think, 15 different people go through this house at least? Yeah, over the years, yeah. Over the years, mm-hmm. So our home is always filled with people and activities, and it's been fun. But I would say that's, for me anyway, uh, that's probably been the most painful part of our marriage. Not that it's been painful being married to you at all, (laughs) but uh, has been the infertility. You know, uh, Tanya knows she asked me when... uh, we got married, uh, how many uh, kids I wanted. And I said, well, ideally enough to field a baseball team, but at the minimum a basketball team. So uh, I don't think she wanted that many kids. <laughs> I just, yeah, I didn't want that many, but I definitely wanted a few and yeah. we've only had one, but we were lucky to get one. So yes, we that were, we're very, our biggest challenge in our marriage was fertility issues. We're very grateful uh, for him. We love, we love our son. Uh, so we wouldn't trade, we wouldn't trade that either. Um, so, um, you also, Tanya, uh, you have, you have a lot of experience building community. Uh, so maybe you want to talk about some of the support groups you were involved in previous to knowing me and uh, what you're doing currently in that regard. So when we met, we met through a blind date, uh, 
And I had been a widow up until that point for about two and a half years. My first husband died, and my mother put me into a support group at a month after he died, which was a really great thing. I kind of went kicking and screaming, thinking this was a ridiculous thing, and it was only a two-month support group and realized uh, by week six that I was talking about it all the time. And if I'm talking about it all the time, clearly I'm getting something out of this. I was in a group for 60 and younger widows. So I that was, was the young far. widows group. If you were <laughs> under 60, you were a young widow and you were 26. Six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was quite the experience and it was run by the Catholic nun. She was really cute. Um, well, no, that, that was the groups were because there was a 60 and older group as well. So the groups were run by these Catholic nuns and our, the lady who ran our particular group said, I'm so sorry, I'm going to miss our last session. And we all were kind of sad about that and said, why? And she said, well, I don't really want to tell you, but I'm getting married for the third time. (laughs) She had had two husbands die and she was getting ready to have another one. And she was an older lady, but she was so excited. But it was great because we were all so happy to hear that she found love again because we all needed that hope as well. So after I got done with that support group, I realized that I really did need more support, especially from somebody that really understood my my point of view and my situation. I was with nobody there was LDS, and so they didn't understand the whole being sealed and why I was so thinking I would never get married again being this young LDS widow. So I was in desperate search of somebody Pause for else. a note from the narrator. Uh, if you want to hear more about Tanya's story about the ceiling issue, which is connected but related, you can look at podcasts she did with Kurt Frank among leading saints. All right, keep going. Uh, so I looked and looked and finally found my first widow. She was a 9-11 widow. And that was the beginning of my widow support group that I ran for, oh gosh, 10 years, I think. think Yeah, and I got to know a lot of these wonderful young widows. uh, And these were not under 60. These were all under 30, I think. These were truly young widows. Yeah. Yeah. I think the oldest one in our group over the years was probably 32 or 34, but most Mm -hmm. were in their 20s. Most of them with one or two kids or no kids. Most of them without kids at all. So that was my first exposure to running support groups. And I definitely got the most out of it just because whenever you teach a lesson at church or whatever you're doing, you end up being the one to get the most out of it. So it was a very healing experience for me. So when I met Jeff, uh, he, his, the people, the men in his support group that he was helping run or running out of, which uh, I've done those off and on since 1996. Yeah. So he, his, none of them were married, but he had some girlfriends. So I would sit and talk with the girlfriends about what they were going through. And then it turned into uh, spouses by the time we moved. That was out in DC. When we moved here to Utah, that was my first time with spouses. And that was right away. Uh, for any of you that are in this community, you know, Pret and Megan Dahlgren, they were my first uh Actually, they weren't. The voices were the first. Mm-hmm. But second, my first group there was made up with Megan Dahlgren. 
And it was just three of us that would get together and sit around and chat. And that was, we moved here in 2005. Mm-hmm. So five, 15. So for the last, how long is that? I can't even do my <laughs> 16 math. 16 years. 15 years, I've been running support groups, uh, mostly out of our house. So we've seen hundreds of women come and go, and it's been a great experience. Again, most of my healing has come through helping others. So I've been doing this a long time. And then uh, after doing the Women of Worth conferences, there was three of us that were involved with that that decided to go out on our own away from North Star, and we do our own healing retreats there. I got working with another organization. And those aren't specifically focused on women married to men with same-sex attraction. No, those are specific to women going through trauma Mm -hmm. or wanting to do their own work, depending on which healing retreat you go to, because we have lots of different ones. And then I run support groups with other organizations. So I have loved helping, especially the women in this world. And it's, it's helped me because it's showed me what doing our work looks like, because we all have stuff from our childhood or experiences as we grow up and that's one of the things that Jeff and I love to do is do healing uh, work. Doing our work is what we call it. And it's trying to better ourselves, trying to heal wounds and become better people and become more Christ-like and uh, heal generational patterns so that we can be better parents. So that's one of the loves that we share. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of something that uh, we we hope we'll be hearing more about uh, at North Star. Uh, one of the themes, uh, Ty uh, mentioned this to me several years ago, Ty Mansfield. Henry Newman is a Christian thinker, and he has these three stages of Christian discipleship. The first one, and I might have the order slightly wrong, but I think the first one he calls community, where we have this sense of belonging and connection. So, oh my gosh, these are my people. These people get me. And that is really wonderful, Uh, especially when you talk about this issue, whether you're someone who personally experienced the same sex attraction or if you're a spouse to someone, you'll often have this feeling, oh my gosh, I'm all alone. There's nobody that understands. There's nobody else like me. And it can be so freeing and so healing to just know, oh my gosh, there's there's other people like me. Uh, there's other people in my situation. Uh, and then to learn from them and just get support from them, who people who get you is so healing. But if it stops there, it's going to stop there. Uh, because that's in a position where you're the one taking. You're the one just receiving and kind of passively kind of taking what you can. And and that can be helpful to a degree, but only for so long. And then the next stage Henry Nguyen talks about is solitude. Just like uh, Jesus had to go in his 40 days in the wilderness, we all have to learn to do that internal work, that internal connection, that internal sense of being okay with ourselves, being okay in our own skin. Uh, finding what we really want. You know, sometimes we can unthinkingly adopt the norms of people around us, whether that's our parents and the value system they gave us or the people we're around, we unthinkingly can adopt their values. And and those values can be good, but 
if they're not internalized, if they're not something deeply meaningful to us, they're, we're not going to stick with them. And so we all have to have those moments, the long, dark time of the soul or, or that time of solitude on the mountaintop of fasting and even maybe privation like, like Jesus felt or like the people of Israel in the wilderness, where we can dig deep and find out what do we really believe? What do we really want? What do we really want to sacrifice for? Uh, what is really worth it? I'll tell people, uh, I didn't mention I'm a, I'm a part-time marriage and family therapist. And one thing I'll tell people is uh, you can't just play the odds and say, oh, well, what are most people doing? Or what do I think is most likely to work? You have to decide what's worth it uh, to you. So are you going to climb Mount Everest or Mount Denali? What is worth it to you? And those moments of solitude are really what help us say, Yes, this is the path I want to try. Come hell or high water, uh, that's the way I want to try and that's the way I want to go. And a community can't give that to you. It can show you what other people who are living their lives according to those values have, but it can't make you want it. That's something that has to come from within. So that solitude step's really important, I think. Uh, I, I can think of people uh, who, who haven't uh, taken that step yet. Uh, and then finally, ministry is the third one in Henry Nowen's stages of Christian discipleship. And that is you go from receiving and that internal, uh, this is too dismissive, but the navel gazing, the internal seeking to finally, uh, all right, I have something to offer here. And I think this is the most important one of all, because uh, just just like you described how you've gotten so much out of it, Tanya, uh, sometimes when I talk to people, they say, oh, my gosh, do I have to do all this stuff uh, to be successful or whatever? And I say, no, but your path is going to be just as challenging and just as scary, but it doesn't have to look like mine. But it's going to be challenging. Uh, and But I so believe that, you know, so often people, whether that's the spouse or the individual experiencing this, can feel like they're broken or they're flawed. Uh, and if you stay there, you don't think you have anything to contribute. Uh, and that'll kind of keep you a little bit stuck. But if you can realize, oh my gosh, I have something to contribute. Yes, I have my weaknesses. Yes, I have my flaws. Yes, I'm not perfected yet. But if I have something to give and to see that received and blessed, uh, that's what I think really makes a difference. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because in all of the experience of doing this, so I've been doing this healing support group stuff for 22 years, probably. Uh, I have, I truly believe that you don't, you don't, your healing is not finished until you've given back. And that giving back doesn't have to be huge and long. It can be right. short. Um, but there right. is exactly. You don't have to start back. a support group to be a good That's minister. Right. right. That's right. But there is some sort of paying it forward that is kind of that's it, at least for me, what I've seen is that it is kind of okay, I can now put into words because I remember my communications teachers always saying, if you can't put it into words, then you really don't know what you think. And that's mm -hmm. probably true because you haven't been able to formulate in your head. So until you can give it forward, 
you don't know exactly what you've learned and it hasn't been formalized and crystallized. And there is something to that crystallization of going, yes, this is what I've learned. This is what I can give back. However small that is, again, it does not look the same for everybody, but you have to do that. And that's when you know, I can move forward now. Um, and that reminds me, you know, back to one of the things we touched on earlier, which is, you know, how it's going. What what post our Voices of Hope uh, has it been? What kind of fallout has there been? And maybe we'll talk about some of the downsides, uh, touch on them briefly, Tanya. But uh, one of the things I'm grateful for in our Voices of Hope and some of the other public work we've done, uh, being uh, very... Uh-huh. not private about the fact that I experienced same-sex attraction and that you're married to a dude that <laughs> likes dudes, uh, is, it is it has forced me to stand up and say, this is what I believe. And I was pretty nervous about it. And you all should know, Tanya's never been shy about this or ashamed about this. She always said, look, this is just something that's part of you. So what's the big deal? Why can't we tell everybody? So she's she's always been like, why wouldn't we tell everybody? She, and I've always been the one, well, let's wait. Let's think about it. Let's pray about it. Let's. Uh, so uh, I was I was always a little more nervous uh, to share this about myself than she was. And uh, but I can say I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to because it did. It was a way for me to kind of put my stake in the ground, us to put our stake in the ground, to say, this is where we stand. This is what we believe. This is what our lives are like. Yep. Never been ashamed of it. This is just who we are. And some oh, people haven't liked that. No, we've, there's a lot of hate out there for Jeff uh, because of what we stand for, what he stands for. But I don't think, uh, well, as I'm watching The Chosen with Christ, he didn't ever take the easy way out either. And he is, he got persecuted as well. And I think when you're doing the Lord's work and you're being a force for good, it will come with opposition. But let's go back to something less heavy. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> If you were a superhero, what would you be or who would you be? Uh, I would say I'm a combination of uh, Superman and Batman. I don't know that I have the, you know, the superpowers of Batman, uh, of Superman, but I'm not as dark and as haunted as Batman, you know, but I'd, (laughs) I'd, I'd like to be, Superman is my favorite superhero. And of course, you, Tanya, are Wonder Woman. You always oh. get the you always get the truth out of people with your lasso, uh, and you're amazing, and you're strong, and you're heroic, and you're willing to fight. You, you're a you're a a fighter, but in a way that that keeps your femininity. That's very kind of you, because I didn't know who I would be. So thanks for giving <laughs> me one. <laughs> and what flavor of Jello do you think I would be? Well, I would say lime jello with shredded carrots, <laughs> except I don't think that's probably true. Although the lime jello might work because I do know you like lime. Yes, I do. But I think it would be filled with vitamins or something like <laughs> kale or spinach because it needs something healthy, but not necessarily carrots. So I don't know. 
that's probably what I would go with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if you're a Jello girl. You're a vanilla pudding, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I always tease vanilla Tanya. Vanilla ice cream. Yeah, I always tease Tanya because we'll go to some ice cream store or something for dessert, and she gets vanilla, something really boring. When we were in Italy, and we'll talk about our travels together, I'm not supposed to eat a lot of sugar. And uh, so, but I love Stratiacella. It's like the Italian version of chocolate chip. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I apologize for all the Italians I've just offended. But uh, but Tanya only wanted to get vanilla. I'm like, well, get some chocolate chip and I'll have a bite. So this is one of our fights we would have. And I would, did once. And, and she hated it. I didn't like it. And it made and me mad. She's supposed to like everything I like. She, she he mostly got mad because that meant he had to eat the whole thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> Uh, but I also joke, this means uh, that I don't worry my wife running off because once she finds something she likes, she sticks with it and she never changes. That is true. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> well, we have done a lot of traveling together. That's probably the thing that we love to do the most. We're both very adventurous that way. Um, love to see the world, different cultures. Uh, Jeff served his mission in France and we went there Haven't we been there twice? I think we've only been there once. We've both been there several times, but together we've only been there once. We took our son, Nate. He was like five. Yeah, he was just turning five, and it was a lot of fun. He sat in a stroller with a little Game Boy type thing as we're watching the Mona Lisa. Yeah, he... He doesn't remember a lot of it, but if you asked him after, he'd say, "What we'd say?" P- people would ask him, "What do you remember of France?" And he'd say, "The Eiffel Tower and smoking people." <laughs> he had never been around people that smoked, there's- and there's a lot there, <laughs> so that was kind of fun. But when we were in the Louvre, I made Nate get off his Game Boy, even though he was mad, and look at the Mona Lisa. I said, "You're going to be mad at me later. Not right now. You don't care, I know. But if you do not see this painting and wing victory, you're going to be mad." <laughs> And now he is glad he saw it, even though he can't remember me doing that. Yeah. So that was fun because I got to go and see uh, where Jeff served his mission. And when Nate heard me, I don't know how you reacted when you heard me speak French, but Nate, uh, when he saw me speaking French for the first time, you know, to like the native speakers, he burst out in laughter. It was just so weird for him to see his daddy speaking this different language. Yeah, that was fun. So we traveled all over France. Uh, seeing his mission, which was a lot of fun. And then a couple of years ago, I had a mission reunion. And so we took a trip to Japan through China. So we got to see some some of Shanghai and go to Disneyland there in Shanghai. Yeah, I was going to say, China just had their 100th birthday. Did you see that in the news, Tanya? No. Yeah, it's not the 100th birthday of communist China, but it's the 100th anniversary of the communist China, the communist party founding in China and it was founded in Shanghai. We were in the old oh. quarter. Remember they told us yeah. where they would have those meetings. Yeah. So that's where, oh. that's where China, the Ch- communist party started in China. We I were remember there. seeing that now. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. So that was fun. Cause we toured all around, uh, seeing my old stomping ground in Japan and visiting. And I got to meet friend. all her old mission buddies and her mission president. It was fun to do that. Yeah, we went to church. Now, here's here's a small world. We're sitting in Japan our first week there, and 
actually our first full day there, and we went to church and they were watching General Conference. And so the Nagasaki, wasn't it? Yeah, Nagasaki. We were sitting there with just a few missionaries and another man in the area listening to it in conference in English, and everybody else was upstairs listening to the dubbed version in, in Japanese. And the only other guy sitting in the room turned to Jeff and said, don't I know you? Didn't we go to high school together? <laughs> and here we are in Nagasaki, Japan, in the middle of nowhere. And here's somebody from his hometown Yeah, that he grew up with. So some other, what are some other places you, we've, we've been together that you've loved, Tanya? Uh, just after we got married, about a year after, my roommate and Jeff's roommate got married. So Not to each other. Well, they got married to each other. Yeah. yeah. So my roommate and Jeff's roommate got married to each other, and so they invited us to go to their wedding. He, weird circumstances, they were having to get married in Spain because he was working over in the Middle East, and they needed it close by, and so we went to Spain for their wedding, and that was a really exciting trip. Yeah, and we had some other friends in London, so we spent a little bit of time with our friends in London. Yep, and on our way And saw our friends in Madrid. Get yes. And then we also did a big trip with his family to Italy. And that was that was a really amazing trip just before COVID happened. So we were really blessed to have gotten that trip in that took so many months of planning before everything got shut down. Yeah. I, I'd been to Rome before and I knew you would love it, Tanya. Uh, and I loved it even better the second time because Tanya made sure... This is one of her greatest talents, which is another thing on our outline here to talk about, is she's very, very organized. I sometimes wish, because she does get stressed out, sometimes wish that she could learn to do something half-hearted or quarter-hearted at least, uh, or three-quarters-hearted, but she can't do it. So she had everything planned out. She's flexible. We didn't have to do everything down to the minute, but she had everything that she thought might be useful to see. And we didn't see quite all of it, but we packed a lot in. And I think everybody in the family was really grateful. And I saw a whole bunch of other stuff that I hadn't seen the last time I'd been in Rome. And it's just one of the most amazing towns uh, that you could ever go to. So I loved that trip too. Yeah, that one was fun. We were sitting in church in in Italy. Oh, that's right. We ran into in Rome. And yep. we sat down. And after church, we had been sitting by some English people, and we finally said, so where are you from? They were from somewhere down south, but they were cousins of people in our ward. So that was pretty funny. Yeah. And then we ended well, up- Well, and the real cool thing there was, remember, we were doing Come Follow Me New Testament, and I can't remember if it was Philippians or- But uh, I said, didn't Paul write this letter in Rome? And the teacher's like, he did, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool to be studying uh, uh, Paul's epistle that he wrote in Rome while we were in Rome. That was really fun. And then we went directly from church to, to the Mar Mamertime prison, Mar yeah, where, where he both he and helped. Paul were imprisoned at separate times, I think. But yeah, so that one was fun. And there we, um, there was a couple from Logan, Utah, just north of where we live, and. We they didn't have plans and we didn't really have plans for the day. The rest of his family were traveling in that day. And so we toured the first day of Rome with this couple from Logan. And so we've met some really new people and 
people that we're connected to all over the world. It's been fun. We've done Mexico and Canada. In fact, Canada was really fun. That was two years ago. We, I had really wanted our son to see the Hilkamore pageant, and we knew it was coming to an end. It had two years left, and I said, I think we really ought to go this year. And we just pushed through and figured out how to make it work. And so we went to the Hillcomore pageant. And for anybody who's been there, thousands upon thousands of people come each night to this play. And we had gotten our seats. We know how to do this. We've done this. When we were dating, we would go up there as well. Yeah. Drive up from. Yeah, we used to go all the time. Because it was a six hour drive from Northern Virginia. And we'd try to do church history along the way. So that was a lot of fun. But here we are. We've got our seats in this massive audience, and I had a support group to run. <laughs> so I went back to the car for this support group. And, and Nate some, and I were sitting holding our seats. Yes. In I the had rain. my e-reader, so I was reading. That's one <laughs> of the things. You'll see me reading all the time. <laughs> Drives Tanya yes. nuts. And this guy walks in front of the car while I'm on this support group. And I thought, what in the world? And I finally put myself on mute, which I shouldn't have done, but I did. And I opened the car and I yelled out, David. And my brother turns around. Neither of us. I'm from Utah. He's from North Carolina. Neither of us knew that we would be coming to the Hillcomore pageant together. And in the sea of thousands of people, we never would have seen each other, especially because that night was a downpour of rain. So we were all under umbrellas and hoods and tarps and and so we then went to niagara falls the next day together and went to canada and which played. nate loved and we I, I love that place too now nate wants to see it frozen over so <laughs> yes let's hope we get a global warming pause uh <laughs> you did say something that i think is important sometimes people ask me i'm gonna get serious again for a sec okay uh sometimes people ask me you know how did you know that you could get married. How did you know that this would work? Well, of course you can't really know. You have to take, take the risk, but, but there are experiences you can have that can give you confidence, right? So it's not like a blind leap into the total unknown. It's more like a step uh, forward uh, in my book. That's how it felt to me. I know you, Tanya, felt uh, like this was agonizingly slow. But, of course, if you read in the book, I felt like I was going as fast as I could. But but each step kind of built my confidence that, oh, yeah, maybe I can do this next thing. I'm still not sure, right? When I started dating Tanya, I didn't know that I could date someone consistently, let alone be a boyfriend, let alone be a husband, let alone want to get sealed in time and all eternity. But each step kind of built on the other. And one of the things that I loved about Tanya uh, and that I knew this is kind of what helped me finally clinch the thing that said, this is someone I, I could be married to is she said, oh, we just figured it out. And uh, that's that's one of the things I love about you. And I think it's an attitude we share where, uh, you know, if there's a problem or an issue, maybe sometimes I'll have a little pity party. Maybe you do. I don't think you have a lot of pity parties. Oh, I have them. But uh, I, I'll have a little pity party, but then we pick ourselves up and we go, all right, what do we do? How do we fix this? There's not a lot of blame. There's not a lot of, well, why did you, why, why didn't you do this? Or, you know, there's not a lot of blame or any recrimination. We're just like, okay, 
what do we do? How do we fix it? And that can be a little thing like, oh, we missed our bus or we're going to miss our plane or <laughs> right, our, our flight got canceled. We were just in uh, Mexico and we missed our connection in Mexico City. And, and it was my fault. I didn't no, quite understand. Not. Well, you said it wasn't my fault. I I'd speak caveman Spanish. And <laughs> so I don't speak terribly well and my vocabulary is terrible. But the the person looked at our boarding passes for our next flight and they said, well, go stand in this line and show them your boarding pass. And I didn't really understand. They were saying, you know, skip to the head of the line. So because that line took so long and we had, what, a two and a half hour and that's how long we were in the line. Yeah, and we were in the line forever. And so we missed we missed our flight. For immigration. And and uh, that's, you know, that could be kind of scary. Of course, Tanya had been through this rodeo a little bit before in that we've, you know, we've traveled around a lot. And so we both got working. I got on the phone and we got looking at different desks. So how do we get on our next flight? And, you know, Delta's telling us, uh, oh, we can get you there in four days, which would mean we'd get there and turn around two days later to come home. But both of us just kind of got to work and we're like, well, maybe we'll just spend our seven days here in Mexico city or something or whatever. So we figured it out. Right. Well, and we got on the a flight <laughs> within an hour to our destination, but that's one of the fun but things. It, it doesn't know. It, yeah. It's it. part of the adventure. Right. Yeah. yeah. We and did so, lots of this kind of stuff. We felt like it was a microcosm for life that said. Yeah, travel is a microcosm for life because unplanned things do happen. Sometimes they're your fault or sometimes they're not really your fault. or And, and sometimes it's bad weather or whatever, but we figured it out. And not all of them, you know, had us uh, that uh, that happy ending where we were able to get there with just missing a day. Uh, but, uh, or did we even miss a day there? I don't no, think we did. We just mess, missed like five hours. Yeah. We missed shopping that night. We had to do our shopping differently. So it was hardly the end of the world, but, but, shopping. but I think, uh, having that confidence and having that willingness to work together, uh, for the solution really helped. And the fact that we've gotten through tough scrapes before, right? Even before we got married, we'd been through some tough times. And so I said, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. And I could screw up. You could screw up. That's a theoretical question. You don't screw up. But you could theoretically screw no, up. No, I do. It's okay. <laughs> it's very rare, but it does happen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But but we figured it out. And because we figured it out, you know, through different things, I hope and pray and I have the confidence we'll figure it out you know, the next time it might be uncomfortable. It might be painful for a while. It might be difficult, but we'll get through it. We'll get to our destination. And it's been fun. Here's a really fun experience we had. Uh, we had decided when we lived in DC, all up and down the East coast, it, oh, yeah, it got bigger fun. and bigger uh, as the years went on. We were at the beginning of this, but duck beach was this big thing where a bunch of singles. And when I first started, it was basically just the colonial wards. My ward with a little bit of his ward, we were in competing singles wards, if you want to put it that way. Anyway, by the time we had been there for four years, it was all the way up to New York and down the southern seaboard. And anyway, so we'd rent houses and you put a ton of people in them. And we have a big singles event. And it won't surprise you that Tanya would organize these houses. She'd be one of the people that would rent one of the houses and or get two. it. And, or yeah. two. And organize it all. The meals yeah. and the the guests and everything. Yeah. 
And now we have one of our dogs going off. Uh, so we decided to do this as a family event for his family because they had never spent time on the East Coast. So we rented one of these houses and had all of his family come out. And his dad said, should I get hurricane insurance? And I said, I've done this for years. I would not get hurricane insurance. Well, he didn't listen to me, which was a really good thing because the week we were all supposed to go to this and all the people from Utah flying out, there was two families on the, uh, in D.C., the rest were in Utah. Hurricane came through. We get our refund, but we all have this time off and we have the money. What are we going to do now? And I did not do this, but his family got online and found a really cheap last minute Disney cruise. And our our thing was we just had to get our. Yeah, we just had the minor obstacle of getting ourselves down to Orlando in the middle of a hurricane. Right. But we literally (laughs) got checked into the cruise. And as we were walking onto the ship, Jeff and I turned to each other and said, where is this going? <laughs> we yeah, where had are we no sailing? <laughs> idea where we were even sailing to. Uh, but those are the kinds of fun adventures that we've been having. I thought you were going to talk about our adventure when we were near Mount Rushmore, when we moved out here. <laughs> uh, we I, I downloaded this app on my computer. This was before, you know, Expedia and Travelocity were really big deals. And before cell phones, that's how old I am. Before uh, they had flip phones, but there was yeah. no data on your phone. Right, right. We had cell phones, but you didn't really have data. And so we were just going across the country, moving out here. She'd gone out beforehand with her friend Liz, and then we took her. she took her car out with her well, actually, we Your took car. you took my car out, my mini out with Liz, and then you flew back and we took your convertible, your Mitsubishi convertible across. So that was a wonderful, really fun trip. We did some ch- a lot of church history and other things. We got deep dish pizza in Chicago and did that we do we did fun. falling waters in Pennsylvania. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so but we're like, we don't need to make reservations everywhere. We don't want to be tied down. We'll just get on this application i downloaded and it had hotels in it and we'll just call like an hour or two before we're ready to end for the day we'll just start calling hotels in the next town see if we can get a spot so i'd drive and tanya would look up these phone numbers well we're getting into uh mount rushmore mount rushmore and a motel six is 350 dollars a night and i'm like what in the world there is no way this has got to be wrong and everyone i called was this same price and we, and no availability either. No, I think motel six had one for 350, but I passed it up. I think when I came back, it was already taken. We had no idea that it was the Sturgis bike rally that weekend. And for anyone who doesn't know what Sturgis is, it is thousands upon thousands of people coming from all over the country and actually all over the world. Bikers coming that descend on this little town in, in, uh, by Rushmore. And it's a big biker rally. So there was no availability at all. And so we called for hours, the two hours probably I kept calling. and They would just laugh at her when she'd yeah. say, do you have any rooms? But we did find a little bed and breakfast that had one room open. And it was so much fun because that we morning. We had breakfast with all the bikers in the morning. Yes. yes. Yeah, they it was were great. Anyway, yeah. those are the kinds of fun things that we. Those are the adventures. Uh, so back on a serious note here, Tanya, we should probably wind up, uh, you know, we've both been around a long time. 
What are some common factors in, in people that have been successful on this journey in, in staying active in the church, staying on the covenant path, uh, letting God prevail in their lives? It's a really good question. Um, I, in general, I would say it is surrounding yourself with people of the same values. So surrounding yourself with church members, with people, and not just church members, because we're part of another community that is non-denominational, but a lot of faith-based people. So Jewish and whatever Christian. So it's people with your same values, people that share your beliefs in the way that you want to live. So I think that's the biggest one is surrounding yourself. In the women's side of it, I get a lot of guys because, you know, we end up with a lot of guys that come through this house that we've been helping over the years and they'll, they're, they become really close friends and they'll start, some of them are not married yet, or some of them that are married, they'll say, how do I help my wife or how do I help my girlfriend? And we say, you really need to get them in touch with one of us wives. And I would say this is the opposite for the SSA or, you know, for the spouse as well, or the the SSA member of the relationship. But our comment is we have wives or girlfriends that talk to us, talk to another woman. There's in two the kinds. Situation. There's two kinds of women or girlfriends with men with same sex attraction. Yes. We have the ones that talk to us and we have exes. And that's pretty much how we see it because you can't do this alone. And again, you don't have to be a part of this community nonstop, but there's a time and a season that you need the help. You need the support. When I was doing the widows group, it was so healing for me to be able to just tell my pain and not have to explain my pain. And so when I can talk to another widow that I can just tell the pain and not have to explain it, it speeds things up. They have the right answers for that information. Oh, that, that reminds me of something that's uh, germane to this. Uh, but but you'd, you'd mentioned when we were planning this podcast that one of the things you had to learn that was maybe painful, but really valuable lesson, a big trial in our marriage was learning that your spouse doesn't have to be your everything. That's right. That's right. Uh, and I learned this lesson too uh, from you. Uh because you were, you had an issue come up with some of your late husband's family. Yes. Uh, one of the, they'd said something really hurtful. And uh, you came to me and I tried to help you. And I think, I mean, I'm a therapist for crying out loud now. So I know how to listen maybe. And I know how to be caring and I know how to be supportive. Right. I can be all those things. Right. Okay. I'm going to take over. <laughs> I'm going to take over. I had something come up and I did not want to talk to Jeff about it because I did not want to put my late husband's stuff onto him. And I tried reaching out to my widows. Nobody was available, but I was so distraught. I had to talk to somebody. And so I went to Jeff. He was amazing. Okay. He was absolutely amazing, which he always is. But I still felt bad because he should not have to deal with my pain from my first husband. At least in my book. So I finally said, why don't you try Liz again? This is one of her widow friends. Yes. And we'd been talking for what, 20 minutes or so, you and I? And he did help. He did help. But he said, I really think you need to try Liz again because I do think she can help better. And so it wasn't five minutes later. 
Yeah, I think it was less than that. I think it was three minutes. She comes back in the room. She's bright. She's happy. I'm yeah. Like, holy cow, what did you guys talk about? <laughs> and it was because Liz had been through the same thing and she knew the right thing to say and she helped me understand it. And that's the difference between going through this and talking with somebody that gets it and somebody that has never lived it. So that's my biggest takeaway is within this community, whether you're a spouse, whether you're a family member, whether you're the one struggling, you need somebody that's been through this like you have. And we, that's that's what the gospel is all about. It's about community. It's about having support, yeah. bearing one another's burden. And the one I'd build on from that one is the idea that, okay, you, uh, you've, you've got the community. You've got these people that get you. You can be vulnerable with them and air your dirty laundry and all your dark nights of the soul and all that stuff. And then uh, to take that opportunity to grow because you can see people that either grow or shrink. And what I mean by shrink is they'll go into bitterness. They'll go into, Oh, why me? Why did this happen to me? Right? Like you'll, you'll joke. Oh my gosh, God gave me, God killed my first husband and now he gave me a gay husband. Yep. I have said that. <laughs> and so we all have we all have <laughs> moments like that but if you get stuck there uh that shrinks you and whatever we've been given in this life or whatever happens to us maybe i don't know if god gives it to us or if it's random whatever but all of those things can turn to our good so sometimes you'll see a spouse who'll just be mad and say well it's his problem or you'll see someone in, in my situation that experiences the same sex attraction say, well, God gave me this and it's not fair. All of those can be opportunities for growth and learning or maybe addressing some wounds or some traumas or some areas that we still can grow from. So even if, uh, you know, if, if, it's a, if you're a spouse and, and your husband's making some unfortunate choices or, or you've rocked your world with this disclosure, it's not your fault that that happened. But even though it's not your fault, that doesn't mean this can't be an opportunity to do some of your own work. What does that mean, Tanya, to do your own work? I think it's about seeing the cards you've dealt, however you got them dealt, and dealing with what's in, what's in your hand. And knowing that we all have a card of hand, a hand mm -hmm. of cards, and we get to choose what to do with that hand. Doing your work is then playing the game. It's figuring it out what what's my next step? Because I don't know what's in your hand. I don't know how you're going to fix your stuff. And I have no control over that, but I have absolute control over my attitude, what I will do next, how I can look at my own stuff, my own insecurities, my own uh, childhood uh, issues that might've come up or past relationship issues or whatever that looks like. And just Fixing myself. I, Jeff used to say, it's not 50-50 that makes up a good marriage. It's 100-100. And so we're all just trying to become better people, more Christ-like, uh, because that's who I'm going to stand in front of the judgment bar at the last days in front of Christ by myself. I have to be accountable for me. That's all. So I'm going to do the best I can. President Kimball said marriage is the best. Uh, it's the best opportunity to become 
godlike because it brings out our flaws, it brings out our insecurities, and it gives us the opportunity to heal them and fix them. So that would be my biggest thing is the best thing I got out of this marriage is it made me have to look at myself and it made me have to start doing my work, which is something that I'm not sure I would have done if I hadn't been in this relationship. Uh, just because I had never been exposed to this kind of world before of doing my own work, doing healing work. And I'm so grateful for it. Well, I think that's a wonderful place to end. Great. Maybe we just want to share briefly. I'll, I'll just share briefly. It's, you already kind of did this, Tanya, but I do have a testimony of the restored gospel. I love uh, the truths of the gospel. Uh, I know I fall short in following them. Uh, but I, I keep trying and I keep wanting to stay on the covenant path, uh, crossing it as much as possible. Uh, <laughs> somebody said yes. at the last conference. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, and I have a testimony of the atonement of Jesus Christ. I've seen it work in my life and I've seen it work in the lives of, of other people too. And it's, yes. it's such a privilege uh, and a miracle and a wonder every time, every time that happens to me or, or to, to someone else. Yes. Well, we're so grateful that you uh, listened with us, joined us today, and we're excited for the people that we have coming up on our future episodes. And if you have any suggestions for what you would like to hear, who you'd like to hear from, we would love to hear about them in the comments. Or, or, or any comments on what you feedback from this episode. Yes. Yes, and we're grateful for the opportunity to be hosts of future podcasts. We'll see you all next time. Thanks. Bye.